as usual, want to start with some thoughts, something for us to, to think about. And the first thought I have here says, you cannot contract your relationship with God to anybody. You cannot outsource your relationship to God, with God to anybody, including your pastor. You have to do what? You have to hold it. You can't contract it out, brethren. In the book of Exodus 20, verse 19, the children of Israel saw the glory of God. They saw the, the power of God. They, they witnessed it. And because of what they saw, they said, Ah, Moses! Moses, speak to God on our behalf. When you speak to God, what do I say? Come and tell us. We don't want to communicate with him directly. But I'm going to tell you today that if you want to have a good relationship with God, you cannot do what? Outsource your relationship with God to anybody, including your pastor. You have to have a personal relationship with him. It's very, very important. Praise the Lord. And that is the challenge of many Christians today. We have knowingly or unknowingly outsourced our relationship with God to one man or God or the other. We don't live our life as if we can communicate to God directly again. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And the second thought I have for us to know is that you cannot be nourished by the food you do not eat. I saw this quote in one of my uh, pastor's Facebook page, and I loved it. You cannot be nourished by the food you do not eat. No matter how rich that food is, if it is only the aroma you are feeling, you will feel the aroma, but it will not nourish your body. Hello? Until you take it in yourself and you process it, then it will nourish you. The failure of many of us today is that we just need want to feel the aroma of God's words. We don't want to consume God's word ourselves. The scripture says, No, your word have I found and do what and I hate them. I hate it like food. Praise the Lord. It's a delight to your soul. But we say in 1 Peter 2, 2, say, desire the desire make of the word of God. That what? That you may what? Grow thereby. It's very, very important. So don't, don't, don't think you'll be annoyed by just the aroma of the food. No, you have to eat the food. No matter how, how rich that food is, it, unless you take it in, it doesn't make any difference to you. So commit to study the word of God yourself. Commit to understand the word of God. Study. Abu told, uh, the Lord told Joshua, he says, says, he says, you know, meditate in the words day and night. Say, this book of the Lord cannot depart from you. Meditate day and night. And in doing that, you will not only be prosper, you have what? Good success. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's just, just to start off this morning for us to reflect on. In the book of Luke 11, 1 to 13 that we read, the apostles came to the Lord Jesus Christ 
they have noticed that when he prays, God answers his prayers. There's a difference between when he prays and when they pray. And they were wondering what is the difference? Why is it that his own prayer seems to be more effective no, than theirs? And they came to him and asked him, Lord, teach us to do what? To pray. Just like John the Baptist did to his disciples. Teach us to pray. And that's where the Lord's prayer came from. Praise the Lord. By the way, I wrote a book called The Lord's Prayer. More than just a reciter. It's available on Amazon. You can you read more of it there. So teach us to pray. So he told them, so, so he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. By the grace of God today, I want to share on the topic, God the Father. God the Father. So God said to them, and you pray, pray thus, our Father in heaven. So he started by letting them know that your prayer life starts with your relationship with your God. If you know God as your father, then you are already breaking a barrier of understanding of who God is and how you relate with him. Prior to this time, most of them, the children of Israel, saw God as a deity of worship. What would they worship? But he drew them close and said, no, no, it's just not about the deity. It's about who he is to you, your father in heaven. That, under, that shift or change in understanding of who God is, who you are calling to for help, make the big difference in the life of any believer. If you understand him as your father. Many of us grew up with different understanding of who God is. And that shaped our thoughts. That shaped our relationship. That shaped our heart look. I was born a Muslim. I grew up in an Islamic environment. And I was made to understand from a very young age that what I'm, what? I'm a servant of God. Praise the Lord. And that, that's, that was understanding I had as I was growing up. But when I became a Christian, I realized that it is not a master-slave relationship I have with him. It's a father-child relationship I have with him. That changed my scope. That changed my heart look. That changed my understanding of my relationship with him. That made a big difference in my life. And if you see that scripture, after the Lord said, pray to us, our Father, in heaven. Everything he said after that has to do with some level of knowledge he has about the Father. Say, I know be the name. He understood that he doesn't call the name of God in vain or nothing. Hallow be the name. So, so he began to introduce to that and say, this, this is not you need to know about God. Praise the Lord. You need to understand that. Just like at home. At home, when you see when the children see you, you expect them to greet you in a particular way, to reference you. You know? For some of us, if, my, if I woke up in the morning and my children give me hello, daddy, I will I will I will pull the hair. 
Praise the Lord. Because I expect her to greet me in a particular way. And they had an understanding. And you know, last week I was talking to us about the fact that what we want to do as the year goes by, what we want to do is to be able to create an appetite for God in us. To create in us an appetite for the things of God. And what we are doing is for you to understand who God is as our Father. Praise the Lord. It is not unusual for someone that first comes to the knowledge of God or a father not to know him very well. So when you become born again, when you become born again, you are just coming to the knowledge of the father for the first time. You may not know him very well, but it is your responsibility to get to know him better as time goes on. But the challenge we have is that many people just got born again or they came to Christianity and they, they didn't go further to know him very well. And that's why we struggle in our relationship with him. You know? And you, you, you are challenged by what Apostle Paul said. That's not what he knew about God. That's not all he has done through God. Is he said, I want to know him the more. Praise the Lord. And the way I want to analyze this for us is that, you know, let, let's, let's create an analogy here. If you have a child who was born into a family, and at a very tender age, at you know, maybe just three, four months old, for one reason or the other, the parents decided that he should go and live with the grandparents. And he lived with the grandparents until he or she is 18 years old. And then the parents you know, have other siblings that live with them, grew up with them. So by the time he comes back home at 18, even though he was, he's older than the other siblings, he will not know the parents as they know him. Do you understand that? Because they have been living with them. They understand him better. Praise the Lord. They understand the parent better. So knowing the father is not about how long you have been, you, you, you have been born again, for example. It's about how close you are to him. Your knowledge of, the, of God the father is not about how long you have been a Christian. Your knowledge of God the Father is not about how long you have been a Christian, but how close you are to him. Your knowledge of him is not about how long you have been a Christian, but how close you are to him. In the book of Acts 4.13, the when people saw the way Peter was you know, relating the scriptures, was teaching the scriptures, they were marveled. So this was an unlearned man. It was a fisherman. He's not among the Pharisees. You know, he's not a scribe. And they say, what? This man must have been what? With Jesus. Been, that's why he could be able to say all the things he's saying. Because he has been with Jesus. Praise the Lord. So the question for you and me today is that do you know the Father? Do you know God the Father? How much of him do you know? How much of him do you know? Because what you know about him affects your relationship with him. And of course, there's no way I can teach all about God the Father today. I just want to start just to peel it a bit so that you can just have a little bit of understanding of who God the Father is. Praise the Lord. Now, if you go to the next slide, 
have some on the next slide. Praise the Lord. Now, these statements. How many of us have made this statement before? You, you are with a friend and you are reacting in a way and say, why are you doing that? It's like this. You don't, know my, you don't know my dad. How many of us have made that statement before? You don't know my dad. Because there's, there's an understanding you have about your parents that they don't have. And sometimes when they react to you, when you are reacting to way, say, why are you reacting this way? You don't know my dad. If you know my dad, you understand why I'm reacting this way. Same thing, if you don't know God, you don't understand why some people are really following God. I'll give you two examples for myself. Let me give you two examples of how I've said it before in the past. When I, was, when I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, you know, I, 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 I used to do some things that my parents are not approved of. One particular thing that dad doesn't want me to do is to play football. How are we allowed to play football that time, eh? Maybe I'll be a millionaire by now, praise the Lord. But he wants me to focus my attention on education. I was very good at football. I was very, very good. They know me know my, in our community. But he doesn't want me to play football. But unknown, unknown to him, I joined a football club. I joined a football club. And I was always, you no, know, after school, I just run there, after practice, I go and play games. One day, we played a game. It was a, it was a final of a competition. And after the, comp- uh, the only goal I was scored, we took extra time to win that game. The only goal was scored by me. I scored the goal. And everybody was happy. So when we were going home, our coach said, because you scored the goal, go on with the cup. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Say, go home with the trophy. We keep it to, to take it home. Ah! I couldn't collect it for him. People were surprised. Take the cup now. Ah. Where will I take it to? Where will I say I get it from? I can't display it anywhere in my house. Because they will ask me, where is this from? He does not even know that I'm playing football. So when I, when I noticed they took it, when I was going home, I, I put it under some, and I, I, no, I was watching my dad where he was. Throughout one day, the thing in my house, nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. I couldn't allow my sibling to see it because if they see it, they clearly go and say, Daddy, your son has brought the cup home. You know, so I couldn't show it. People around me did not understand why I was not happy that they were giving me the cup, the trouble to take home. Because what? They don't know my dad. Second example. When I was growing up, I had a lot of cousins living with us. One of them was a little bit, about two years older than me, but we were in the same grade in class, in school, in elementary school. She was very brilliant, very, very brilliant. She, has, she never came second. And my dad used to compare me with her. So one that thing was in my year five in primary school, 
I came second in my class. We were in the same class, in the same grade, but different classrooms. I came second in my class. And when I saw my score, I was excited. But immediately, I stopped being excited. I was looking for my sister, my, my cousin. Where is that resource? And the reason was that I knew she would come, come first anyway. But I want to see the score, the total score she got in that class. Because my dad will not only look at your position, he will also look at what? The, the, the scores, the aggregate of your scores. And he has told me before, when I came on, I said, hey, I came second, I came second. And I saw the other say, if you are in a class, you'll be number 30. <laughs> Praise the Lord. See, see, that means the people in your class, they don't know who. <laughs> because see a mark, see your mark. If you are in a class, I'm very sure you'll be number 30. So I was not excited about that result. My friend may say, why are you? You are second, why are you not excited? I know my dad. Because he pushes me very hard. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Let me clap for him, yes. <laughs> I know last year I shared about him. It's, it's late now, you know, but he, he pushes me very hard. But the point I'm trying to make here is that the knowledge you have about God affects the way you relate with him, affects your attitude towards him. So there are some things you do that others will think in your service to God, why are you doing this? Now you kill Jesus. But because you have an understanding about who he is and who, 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 what he has been to you, God, your Father. Let's clap for the Lord Almighty again. <laughs> and you can see that in the book of John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 3 to 30. It's a long scripture, but I want you to read some part of it if possible. John 4, and this is the story of the woman of Samaria who met Jesus at the well. Let me paraphrase it because of our time. Who met Jesus at the well. And when he met Jesus at the well, he, Jesus asked him for what? Ask her for water. Jesus asked her for water. Give me water. And her response was that, how can you, a Jewish man, be asking me, a Samaritan, for water? I can't even ask you for water. I read from verse 9. Said, then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew, hast cast drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. That was a response. And let us see the answer of the Lord Jesus Christ. He answered. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, if thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. If you know the privilege you have as a child of God, as a believer, as a Christian, you will appreciate it better. You will not do things that we offend your God, that will separate you from him. The woman responded, you have nothing to draw from. Where is the water you will give to me? 
How can you give me the water? And he told him, the water I'm going to give to you is not your water that you come back again. It's the living water. You will never thirst again. So when the woman came to a better understanding, ah, give me this water. And the man, the Lord responded, go and do what? Call your husband. Say, I have no husband. Say, yes, you have spoken well. You have married several times. The one you are with now is what? Not your husband. He knows, she knows, he knows her very, very well. Praise the Lord. But the summary of it was that by the time the Lord was through with her, by the time she understood who she was talking with, even the water she came to fetch, she couldn't take again. She left without the water. Her priority changed. Her understanding changed. She began to do what to proclaim. I have seen him, the Messiah. Just because there was a revelational knowledge of who he was to him. Her attitude towards him changed completely. And what had shaped her thought before, what had shaped her understanding before, was based on what she has been told over years. Remember he said to him, she said to him, she said, well, the Jews said we have to worship on this mountain. On the Jerusalem. We said it's on this mountain. The Lord said, no, forget about all those things. They that worship him was what? It was in spirit and what? And in truth. She reshaping her thoughts. Our understanding of who God is. And sometimes... The reason why many people are not growing in the Lord is because you have always been waiting to be fed all the time. All the time. Let me tell you something. If you have a child who is two years or one year old plus and you are feeding that child, is anything bad in it? Nothing bad in it. But if you have an 18 year old child and it's also being fed all the time, what happens to that child? What do you call him? An imbecile. God will not make you a spiritual imbecile. I repeat that. God will not make you a spiritual imbecile. That means you need to do what? Cultivate the habit or do what? Or study in yourself. If you are, see, and if you make the mistake, if you make the error of being under a wrong person teaching you, it's double, double jeopardy. Double jeopardy. Because you are only believing on what they said to you. You are not even taking that to do what? To study yourself. You have to study yourself. Take time to, 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 to know what's in the scripture. In 2 Timothy 2.15, 2 Timothy 2.15, Bible says, study to, 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 to show that what? Approve unto God. A workman that needed not to be what? Ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, by the time this woman was true with the Lord Jesus Christ, she had a good understanding of who he was. She forgot her, her bucket of, of, of water. She ran for. That, that woman began to have the understanding of the scripture. In Matthew 6, 3, that says, Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And every other thing shall be added unto you. 
She forgot all other things. She left. Praise the Lord. And that's, that's what I want us to be able to have. Have a better understanding of God the Father. Because I believe, brethren, I believe, brethren, that if everybody in the church today have an understanding of who God is, if everybody that goes to church every Sunday, every church all over, they understand who God is, this world will be a better place. Do you agree with me? It should be a better place. But when they go to church, they don't understand who God is. If they leave the church, but that they are hard on the door, there's something else again. Praise the Lord. And in, 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 in this, as I said before, there's no way I can talk about God in the next 10 minutes or minutes I have left. But I just want to be able to give us some basic understanding of the nature of God, our God. And there's no way to do that more than even looking at what the way the, the Lord Jesus Christ himself explained the kingdom of God to the disciples. One way he did that was by sharing parables with them. The kingdom of God is likely to this, likely to that. So I want to look at one example of those parables. Of how God described, how the Lord Jesus Christ described the kingdom of God and our related God. In Luke 15, 11. Luke 15, 11 to 32. I want us to read that place. Because this can relate to what's happening to us. Luke 15, 11 to 32. We have to read this picture so that we can understand where I'm going to. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And it's divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And they have wasted his substance with righteous living. And when they had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, that land, and it began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him to his feet to feed swine. And he would fain have feed his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many higher servants of my father's have bread? Enough and, to, enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And we say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy high servants. And he arose and came to the father. But when he was yet a great way home, his father saw him. And had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his son, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring either the father calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was Lord and his fan, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house, and he heard the music and dancing. He, and he called one of the servants and said, and asked what these things mean. And he said unto him, The brother is come, and the father has killed the father calf, because he had received him safe and sound. He was, and he was hungry. He would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he, asked, he, and he answered his father, his father, 
Lo, this many years do I serve thee. Neither transgress high at any time, they command me. And yet thou never givest me a key that I might make merry with my, my friends. But as soon as this thy son hmm, was come, which at default thy living with Allah, thou hast given for him the father cap, and he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and that and all that I have is thine. It was me that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost, lost and is found. The Lord bless the hearing and the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. What can we then learn from this scripture? There are many lessons here, but I just want to say two things today. Two things. What we can learn from this scripture. The first thing was the father was accessible. And I'm talking to us, I will be talking to the fathers in the house as well. Now, the father was what? Accessible. Brethren, if the father was not accessible, do you think the guy will go to him like that and say, give me what belongs to me? He must have had an experience with the father. How he can easily assess him. How he can talk to him. How he can get what he wants from him. If the father was a difficult person, it would be difficult for that child to approach him at that time. But because of his accessibility, he was able to do that. And before he could ask for all that at the time, he must have been asking for little, little things in the past and granting him and granting him. That is the way our father, God our father is. He is accessible. He's not somebody that is blocking your view from coming to him. And that's why I said at the beginning, don't contrast your relationship with God to anybody. Don't outsource it. He's accessible to you. Tell your neighbor he's accessible to me. So you don't have to call him. You can you can assess him at any time. Praise the Lord. He said, "Come unto me, O ye that labour what, and every lady I will do what. I will give you rest." That what he said. That was his promise. Come unto me. So he's he's sending his video to you. He's, he's, he's not restricting you from coming. God, your Father, is an accessible Father. Praise the Lord. And sometimes he does not even wait for you to come. He can come to you. In Revelation 3.20, he says, I stand at what? At the door. And do what? And knock. If any man opens, and do what? I will come in and enter. And do what? And sup with him. And sup with him. So it's not only... It's not only waiting for you to come, is even coming to you. So it's accessible. Praise the Lord. And as fathers too, fathers in the house, brethren, I want to let us know, we have to make ourselves what? Accessible to our children. Before I get there, let me say this. Even though God is accessible, 
There are expectations as well. Praise the Lord. There are expectations. His ability is defined, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ said to us, he said, I am the way. He is the way, not I am a way. I am what? The way. The way of ascent is true in to the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have Jesus, you have access to him. Praise the Lord. That will also make us to understand that if we want to come to the Lord, we must come with what? With the clearance. Because Psalm 24. Psalm 24, verse 2 to 4. Bible says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has what? A clean hand and a pure heart. Who are not lifted up his soul unto vanity, not swat deceitfully. That means if you have that understanding, if you have that knowledge that this is the way your God expects you to be, then you make sure that you have that qualification to approach him at all times. Praise the Lord. Expect you. I want us to read Romans 5. Romans 5, 1 to 2. And I want to read it in the message translation, please. Romans 5, 1 to 2. Just to re-emphasize the point here that is accessible to us. Romans 5, 1 to 2. Please, in the message translation. I'll read from here. It says, by entering through faith, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us. Are you there? Romans 5, 1 to 2. Okay. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us. Set us right with him. Make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. So we throw open our doors to God and discover, listen to this, and discover at the same time and moment that he has already what? Throw open his door to us. He's already made himself accessible to us. So we find ourselves standing where we always hope we might stand out in the wide open spaces of God's grace. May you be found there in the name of Jesus Christ. In the presence of God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So we need to be careful that this is, he wants us to assess him, but we must be, uh, make ourselves acceptable to him. So as I said before, what can we learn from this as a father? We must make ourselves accessible to our children. As parents here, please, we must make ourselves accessible to our children. They should, not, they should be free to ask you anything. See, if your children are afraid of asking you a question, they will see ask that question. Do you believe that? They may not ask you that again, but they will ask that question for someone else. And if they ask from the wrong person, then things could go wrong. So as far as here today, let's learn from that. We must make ourselves accessible to our children. Number two, we do not have to wait until your children, our children engage us. You can also engage them. Don't wait until they ask you. You can engage them. How's the hour of school today? How did it go? Start a discussion with them. 
and you, you start discussing with them. Maybe just go out in the car drive, you know, you're going to buy something, start engaging them. Get them to be comfortable speaking to you. Praise the Lord. And for children as well, we need to be put ourselves in a position where we can approach our father at any time. You know, there, there are situations in my life, I'm telling you number three for now, that there are times when I was growing up that if I'm on the wrong side of my dad, you know, I will not be able to ask him for anything. I'd rather send my siblings to him, go and talk to him. You know, but if I'm, if I'm alright with him, I'll go and sit on his lap, sit by his side and talk to him because I'm right with him. Praise the Lord. The next thing I want us to learn about God from that scripture is that God our Father is a generous Father. It's generous. Praise the Lord. These are silent points on the scriptures. If the son did not, is not aware, was not aware that he's a generous God, generous Father, he will not approach him. I said before, he must have been asking him for things before and it was given him. Please go to the next point. Uh, I think I'm, I'm off this slide now. Two slides more. Yes. Go back one, one, one step. God is a generous God. And his generosity was demonstrated in John 3 16. Because there's no way you can, you can demonstrate love. You can say you have love for people without being generous to them. It, 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 it doesn't work that way. When you are generous to somebody, when you love somebody, you'll be generous to that person as well. John 3 is to take. For God so loved the world that he gave his son to us, that by him, through him, we may have life eternally. Through him, we have life eternally. So God is a generous God. The son asked for everything that belongs to him, he gave to him. Our salvation, my salvation, your salvation is rooted in the generosity of our God, our Father. Praise the Lord. And it is not because we asked for that. He gave us some because he knew we needed to have that salvation. So that God's generosity is not because of what we ask for, because of what he knows that we need. Praise the Lord. And that's why when you look at creation, when you look at creation, when God started creating from the book of Genesis, Regardless, everything was orderly done. Because God provides for the need of the next thing he creates. But thing is currently created. He didn't create the fishes before he created water. Do you understand? The water was there. Everything, everything the fish needs were there before he created the fishes. The animals were created after he had created the plants that they will feed on. And man was created after everything man needs has been created. So God knows what you need. Praise the Lord. He's a generous God. And what are the qualities of our generous father? Qualities of our generous father. Number one, our attributes. A generous person does not give because he is hard. He gives because he identifies the need. 
God giving to you and me is not because we ask. It's because he has identified the need that we need this thing. Book of Matthew 6, he told us, about if I can take care of the bears of the hair, the grass in the fields, how much more you are the one I make in my own, in my own image? How would I not take care of you? So don't stop thinking about what we eat, what we drink, what we hear. Because I know you need those things. And we surely provide for you. Praise the Lord. Because your, your complaining about it doesn't change anything. So he understood what you need and he will give unto you. That is our Father. Praise the Lord. And that is the way our, for us as fathers here and now, are supposed to behave as well. We need, and that's what we do. Let's clap for the fathers here. Let's clap for the fathers here. You know, go out in the night, go out in the day, every, anytime, anything you could do to make sure that you provide for your children. Not because they are asking specifically, but because you know that they need that thing. They need it. I don't think there's any father here that we want a special father. Children, we ask for something and say, ah, I don't have it. God will not take that situation in the name of Jesus Christ. You want them to be able to, to have access to what you, they need. Father time. The reason why many of us are here in this freezer, you know what I'm saying? In this part of the world, is because of what? Because of our children. Because of our children. That's why we are here. As we said earlier, many people are managers, business owners, doing very well. I hope they are in our countries. We can live here, but we want to provide what? Opportunity for, for our children. That's why we are here. And doing everything possible to make sure that we give them life, we give them the kind of quality of life that they deserve. Not because we don't have life over there before. We have life where we are coming from. But we want to give our children better lives. Let's clap for our fathers again. <laughs> children, I'm not hearing you clapping, please. Children, clap. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why we are here. So we want to be able to provide what you need to be a better person. And God will make you great. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. I repeat, God will make you great in the name of Jesus Christ. Number two points. A generous father does not look at the value of what he gives, but the impact of what is given. God does not look at the value of what he gives to us, but the impact he makes in our lives. In Philippians 2, 6 to 11, Philippians 2, 6 to 11, Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ, say, who be in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We have forgotten as, as early exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every name was bowed. All of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the heart, and that every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
So it's not given because it doesn't have value. It doesn't consider the value. It's considering the impact it will make. And let me tell you something. One, one thing as parents we can give to our kids as fathers is our time. Time is of value. Time is of value. But if you can give time to your children, no matter how little, create time for them. Create time for them. To chat with them, to talk with them. It's of value. Praise the Lord. If you can't sit down in the place, create an avenue. Take them out. Drive with them. Do something. Just to create time with them. The time you spend with your children today, you know, we give you rest tomorrow. I'll tell you. Our people will say, Omantik Akoko, Loma Kota, which simply means that the child you did not train today and you are chasing all over the place for what? Houses, the building houses. Those houses will do what? Will be sold off by those children. Praise the Lord. Train your child. Spend time with them. Give them what they want. And they'll be great in the name of Jesus Christ. And the last thing I want to say today is that the generous father that we have does not give because of expectations of something in return. Number three point, please. He's not giving because he's expecting something in return. No. He gives because he wants to give to us. Not because he, he, he expects something in return from us. And I like the way Luke sees, put it. Luke sees, 34, 36. I want us to read it from the uh, message translation, please. Luke sees, 34, 36, from the message translation. Please, I want to dis display it on the screen. Or let us, let us do from 31, from 31, from 31, from 31, please. It says, 31. So here is a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Here is a simple rule of thumb for people. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative. Grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat in the back? Run of the missionaries do that. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a murder? Garden variety sinners do that. Praise the Lord. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? Do you think that's love? The stringent of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You will never, you will never I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity. That is the identity of God. God created identity. The way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously, even when we are at what? Our worst. 
Our Father is kind. You what? Be kind. Don't give because you expect something in return. Praise the Lord. Give the best to your children. Not because you expect them to you know, do something for you. Just give them the best that you can give to them. And anybody you want to help, really, as a father, help them not because you are expecting something in return. See, you don't do butter, uh, trade by butter in the house of God. That if you give this, you get this in return. That's it, trade by butter. It's not, that's not the way God works. If you want to bless somebody, bless that person. Forget about what, what comes to you. But the Lord says that when you bless somebody, let not your left hand know what, what your right hand is giving. Be generous to the fourth. But don't, don't be generous because you are expecting something to return. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't let anybody say, ah, unless you, you bless God with this thing, then you will not get anything. It's a lie. Don't, don't give because you want to be blessed for one another. life. Give because you love to give. And the Lord will bless you in return. Let's be on our face.